Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host of Funding the Dream, and this is episode 83. You know, oftentimes on this show, we talk a lot about board games. Uh, we've covered the space uh, heavily. That's how we start. Many of you have listened, though. I've had other guests. But this week, I have brought in, or this uh, episode, I've brought in a guest who knows the board game industry as well as anybody. Uh, my guest is Aldo Giazzi or as everybody knows him, as Aldo from Impressions. Aldo, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for the time. Well, Aldo, you and I have now known each other. We, we met this year, uh, and uh, we you've been on the show before. It was briefly at Dundracon in San Ramon, California at the show. And mm-hmm. at the time, we talked a little bit about the industry and kind of what's going on. But over time, as you and I have talked, um, more and more – you have helped me see kind of what's behind the curtain as you've pulled back more about the whole method of distribution and what it does. Because tell us a little bit about impressions and kind of what your role is and what you do. Uh, the coined phrase for the industry has been a consolidator. And uh, basically, it's we handle the distributor, sales, shipping, and warehousing for game companies, for them. So instead of a publisher calling up distributors to get them you know, to carry the game. We do that for them and all under one roof and under one umbrella. We don't take ownership to any of the games, but instead of a distributor calling the 60 different companies we work for, the distributor just calls us and it's one order, one shipment. You know, it's a convenience factor. And you've been doing this for quite a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's not like and it's not like you're just kind of doing this – how do I want to say this? It's not just like kind of you're winging it. No, this is a – you've got a track record here and you've worked with these uh, these distributors for quite a while and they, they know you, right? Uh, yeah. I mean there's very few hobby game-specific distributors throughout the world and you just – we've been working with most of them for so many years. I mean I've been doing this full-time since 1999. Uh, for game companies, and prior to that, just like everybody else, you know, had my own little game company on the side and released some, you know, games here and there. So I knew the distributors back when I was first releasing games as well. And that's why I had you on the show, because as we've talked, this idea of distributor, this three-tier distributor network, um, or four-tier, depending on how you want to look at it, Yeah, (laughs) uh, it's, in some ways, to a person who's coming on to Kickstarter, who's got their game project, and now has the possibility, okay, we've talked about manufacturing. We're not talking about manufacturing here. What we're talking about is how do they get their game into the hands of gamers? And that's really an issue that you address, right? That's what you do. Well, we do it for the volume side. That's the comparison I like to tell people. You know, if, you know distribution is supposedly or supposed to be large volume, thin margins, you know, where the consumer, of course, is, you know, you're going to sell them one game, but it's a huge margin, you know, from your cost of goods. Distribution is just a very deep discount. And then add our percent that we take, and it's even deeper. But again, if you want high volume and you want, you know, large numbers sold or put on shelves, that's our job. That's that's what we're built to do for our clients. Well, one of the reasons I invited you on the show is because what you just talked about, and that is those numbers. We talk about high volume, but that's really a relative term. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, what, what is the definition of high volume? We're not talking about 10,000, 100,000 know, uh, copies here. 
And so yeah. if, if, if a person – and this is, this is why I wanted to have this discussion with you because the listener who's listening right now is looking at publishing their game on Kickstarter and they're asking themselves, how many copies do I need to publish? Because their, their manufacturer, if they're working with a manufacturer, is telling them, hey, you, know, you get a discount at this number, you get a discount at that number. And they're like, okay, how many copies could I expect to sell of my game? And you kind of have an idea, a bit of a formula to help them understand what constitutes a successful game and some of the numbers they should be looking at, right? Yeah, and and it's not a formula per se that I magically put in a business plan. It's really just from the years of data of doing this time and time again with so many SKUs. I don't know. I'm a numbers guy. I look at it and I go, 90% of the time it's this. <laughs> so most likely you're going to fall in this category, Mr. Game Publisher, you know, first-time game publisher. And again, you know, in the distribution sector, I'm not talking about their – their convention sales or their online sales. What we do and what the numbers I'm speaking of uh, is only in the context of, you know, distributors slash retailers, you know, on the store shelf. So let's talk about those numbers uh, mm-hmm. because you and I sat down a couple of weeks ago um, and we started talking and then you were at my home because uh, we, we, you're local here. Uh, you're in the Bay Area as well. Uh, we're close. And you sat down and you mapped out something for me that I found fascinating, and I asked, and that's why I've asked you on the show. We're going to talk about that. So you can get an idea or a sense about how well a game is going to be doing based on some very, what others would consider very little data. And talk to me about that process. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I base this all out of, I mean, nine times out of ten when a new publisher gets into distribution for the first time with their first game with nothing else the way the numbers are really about 300 to 500 units in the first month but you know that sounds so low which is why i recommend to people print 1500 2000 you know as low as possible but there is a chance of you know of the product to pop but the way it works is is the distributors their goal is to just bring it in and get it on the list and make it available to retailers. And that's where, let's just say, the 300 number comes in and the distributors say, okay, I've brought it in, Mr. Retailer. It's now available. And they, they, they offer it to the retailers. And the retailers then, on the flip side, say, oh, it's a new product. I'm going to try it. I'm going to order one or two. Okay, let's, most, so let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's go through these numbers. You just use the number 300. That that's, three, the, that's the low bar, I look, would say. 300 what and, and what amount of time? 300 units out the door in the first week of sales when we release a product universally worldwide to all the distributors. 300? Yeah. And, and you, I know somebody's listening saying, what? what? <laughs> and that's for a border a card game. I mean, role-playing games are actually a little worse than that. Okay, well, we won't go there. Let's just talk about the board. So 300 yeah. is the first yeah. week out the door, and what, and what out the door to you means you shipped out 300 copies of this game to distributors worldwide. Yes, because we have a staggered shipping schedule where every distributor gets it for the street day, you know, like any DVD has, you know, now available in stores Tuesday, you know, whatever. We do that for that first week to get the ship date. Nine times out of ten, it looms. 300 to 600 is even stretching it 
but again, unproven 90% of the time, first-time publisher. Okay, so 300 goes out the first week. Then what happens? Yeah. Week two, then what happens? Well, the week two, what happens is the distributors and the retailers react, basically, on it being on the shelf. They, they, they look at it and say, oh, how fast did that one copy move off my shelf from Monday? Did it move off on the day I got it on Monday? And if so, I'm going to order it on Monday to get Tuesday because they're mostly one-day ships away. And then they look on Wednesday and go, did it sit? Oh, it sat. Oh, it sat again. Oh, it sat again. Oh, that's okay. I'm just not going to order another one. I'll just let the one sit there. And the key here is how much that bump is going to go up in demand that next week on that week two, you know, how, let let me make sure, because we're clarifying here. So on week one, it drops in on Monday. Correct. And it, and it sells on week one. So they place that one order and they're watching day by day, whether they want to replace that. Well, the retailers are the retailers definitely, because they're all about the turn. Retailers are all about the turn. How fast can they turn something? Okay. So they're, they're looking at that on a day by day basis. Did I sell a (laughs) second copy? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, did for the I, most part. For the most part, did I sell another copy? And this is what you talk about, that bump. Mm-hmm. Because if they didn't sell another copy, that copy's sitting there. Now the distributor is sitting there saying, okay, we didn't have any requests come in, significant requests, to replenish that copy that we sent, that second copy that we sent out to them, right? Correct. But so, but our hopes are, is that that bump comes up and the consumer reacts and goes, "I wanted that," or the retailer says, "Hey, this new game is cool, Mister Consumer. You should check it out," and they help sell it as well. Or if there's buzz from marketing, buzz from Board Game Geek, buzz from Kickstarter promotion, whatever it may be, you want that bump that second week, which is the total sales figures growing to be as high as humanly possible. Okay, so let's talk about that second week because that second week order is, let's suppose now the second copy of the game sells in the store. Mm -hmm. Now, the retailer is going to turn around and say, oh, distributor, I need another copy. Mm -hmm. And what's the distributor going to do? Well, unfortunately, the distributors play it close to the cuff. And it's a smart business move because they know that they can call me up and we can immediately ship out something to them. So it's, you know, we're, we're a no-risk company for the distributors, really, because they can order anywhere from one to a million copies when they put in an order with us because we deal with so many companies. Okay, so uh, let's, let's talk about that bump then that you're talking about giving it high. Because, mm-hmm. then, because then what happens? Then you get this surge of... The, we hope. What, we always hope. We always hope you get this surge. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's it's one copy, maybe two copies. Maybe they sold four in a week, which would be mm-hmm. okay, crazy. Then what happens? Well, I mean, then then the retailer decides how many they want to stock based off of this turn and rate of sales. And then the distributors get all this data from the retailers from this week one reaction. And the distributors start making a decision based off of that data to say, oh, well, how many should we stock based off of all this data from these retailers to satisfy the trend going on? And a little formula occurs, and boom, we get a bump. And it's a bump of some sort. We, of course, want that bump to be gigantic, you know. Why? But, uh, and, and it well, sounds obvious, but there is really a why. 
Well, the why is is because what you want on week three and then forever. This is my personal opinion. This isn't a, a you know a formula from data, but I've always told my clients, I said, if you can make that product, whatever you have, sell 50 copies or more per month forever, you're in a great position. And that's worldwide. Yeah, I know it sounds like low numbers. That's just me. I'm saying at least 50. I think that that is a a great number for a game company to work off of. Because think about it, 50 forever. I mean, yeah, it's only 600 a year, but it's forever. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, the, that's my, to me, it's all about being evergreen and forever. And this is where one of those stats I was telling you is going to come in handy from what I pulled when I was telling you from our top clients. Yeah, let's talk you about know. that because we've got, we've, got we've got about six minutes left. So let's talk about – because just to recap – the first numbers go out. They're about 300. Then you get this bump of reorders, and then you get this clip, this drop-off, uh-huh. and that's why you want that number so high because when you get that drop-off, that's the sustainability number now that will be going forward. And optimally, you're looking uh, – uh, if you're going to have a hit on your hands, you're looking at 50 units a month. That's what you want that to settle in at. I mean 100. I mean some of oh, sure, our sure. top Every, ones. More is better, but, yeah. but uh, yeah. 50 is, is – got a golden child right there if it's doing 50. Sure. So now tell the, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry, say, sorry. Say, share some of us the stats then that you have that kind of give us an idea of that. Well, I, they're my stats. I mean, I pulled up our our sales by SKU, uh, which is a product SKU code. Um, and of the of for this year, we have we have sold 590 different SKUs to distribution. Of those of those 590, the top 20. Of the top 20 sold unit-wise, 13 out of the 20 are restocked products, product that was not newly released this year. Of the top 20, the remaining seven were new products just released this year. One, so, so about a third of the top 20 are new products. And two-thirds are restocked, and this is where... This is where the gold is. It's in those restock numbers because they're part of that forever. And it's forever money for them, forever money for us, and forever money for the retailers and distributors. That's what you want to achieve. That's what you want to get to, you know? Okay, so – I mean, it's great. So share some of these other um, ideas of what kind of numbers are we looking at with this top 20. So, again, it gives me an idea of setting realistic expectations if I'm producing a game. Do I print 5,000 copies? Or do I do what you just said? You know, do I print fifteen hundred? And now you yeah, well, yeah. And then I, you, I always recommend fifteen hundred or two thousand. Okay, and then okay, and you've got some good data there, right? It's telling yeah. you kind of how well things are selling and what percentage. What what other data do you have? Um, like what the, the the fifth best release or the sixth of the year, which is a new release. Um, I can't talk specific numbers, but it's the Manhattan Project from Minion, um, Minion. Minion Games. Right. And boy, oh boy, you know, I w- those are one of those one out of ten where I wish we had more than that small print run because he would have been the number one seller for the year, uh, guaranteed, if we had the inventory. It's still the most requested product we get from distributors and retailers. Um, now, that's a Kickstarter I, project. Is there a direct correlation there? It was not a Kickstarter project yes, in was. the beginning. Uh, no, Manhattan Project was by itself. 
wasn't it? it? No, it was on Kickstarter uh, early last year or mid. Interesting. Mid last year. Well, I, I don't know. Um, I've had a lot of Kickstarter projects that the Kickstarter doesn't affect the numbers in the distribution. Just recently, uh, Disaster Looms, which just hit, um, his numbers are quite good for a new product. I mean, very surprising. I was shocked. We've already gotten spot restocks, which are, you know, uh-oh, we really need more from several distributors. And I'm just like, this is good. This is where the, you know, he's putting that hump really high, that second week hump we're talking about, to, to, to hopefully grasp, you know, the forever number, the, you know, 50 or more per month forever, well, you know, type thing. Here it is. Manhattan Project funded uh, August last year. Oh, there you go. See. Well, $8,000. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it and then it had an expansion uh, this year. A nation. Yeah. Uh, which was a nearly $40,000 expansion. Maybe that's what it is. It's the expansion has generated all this interest on Kickstarter. Yeah, maybe it's possible. It's possible. Um, okay. I, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, so, it's... So, but there, there's an example of Manhattan Project. So you're getting all this requests, and then you're having to say no because you're out of stock. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. We're that's, waiting. You're waiting for that uh, that reprint. We're waiting for the restock. It's supposedly supposed to be next month in October. Okay, so what kind of advice would you give to a a uh, new publisher or a new game designer that's coming into this? Because we're talking Kickstarter. They're going to come in with a Kickstarter project. They're going to raise this money, and they're going to go, okay, now what do I do? What advice do you give them? Well, I'm, even with Kickstarter, I'm a conservative bastard. Can I say that on your <laughs> – Sure. I mean, I'm really conservative when I talk to people because I always believe you can go back to print. And even when you go back to press and go back to print, you can redo things, make things better, retreat rules, make components maybe better, whatever. But everybody then argues, well, yeah, although, but then my cost per unit is horrible. You know, it would have been better if I did 3,000 or 4,000 copies out the door, 5,000 printed. But from my perspective, when I see numbers that nine times out of ten, we don't even sell more than 600 copies of a border a card game, it's like rolling craps, you know? It's like, would, how many times would you bet on boxcars and snake eyes? You know, it's just, uh, I go by the numbers nine times out of ten. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had gut feelings going, wow, this game's going to do it. You know, great game, great play, but boom. The market just doesn't want it for some reason, and we're sitting on tons of copies. Um, I think that's good advice. We're going to have to wrap up. Um, Our time's up. One thing I want to say as we end, you and I have started a – you started it. I'm uh, I'm helping you out with it, and that is for retailers. It's a video cast to help them understand – how do you want to describe that? You've got about uh, 45 seconds. Um, basically, it's to provide retailers with more information on what the game publishers are doing to market their products and what the publishers are doing to help retailers sell more. All right. And if they want to get more information about this or, or if there's a publisher who wants to uh, be included in that, how do they contact you? Um, impressionsadv.net, impressionsapplegdogvictor.net, and then aldo at impressionsadv.net. All right. Well, Aldo, thank you very much for taking the time. It's great information, and uh, I think we're just going to come back and we're going to talk some more about it. What do you think? 
sounds good whenever. Let me know. All right. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Aldo Giazzi, Giazzi excuse me, from – well, it's just Aldo from Impressions as everybody knows. <laughs> Hopefully you've heard something that's been inspiring, informative, that's for sure. Thanks for listening. We look forward to your Kickstarter projects so that we can back your dream. Take care. <laughs>